When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Get ready, Vikings Nation. Welcome to Purple and Gold for Days. Where my friend and yours, Mr. Justin Day, dives headfirst into the purple and gold universe. Delivering the latest updates and commentary on your favorite team, the Minnesota Vikings. You're listening to Purple and Gold for Days, a Vikings First and Skull production. What is going on, everybody? It is great to have you with me. Happy New Year. The Vikings play the Packers in what effectively is an elimination playoff game. Because by the time this game starts, both the Rams and the Seahawks will have played their game. The Packers and Vikings at 7-8 and eight are behind those two teams by a game. And if they both win, then there's no chance that the loser of this game can catch them to make the playoffs. We'll break down all the key matchups here between the Vikings and their hated rivals, the Green Bay Packers, and what the Vikings will need to do to keep their playoff hopes alive. But before we do, if you have not already done so, please go to YouTube and find the Vikings First and Skull YouTube page, as well as my page, Purple and Gold for Days. And if you haven't already done so, hit that subscribe button, smash that notification bell, and help us grow this Vikings community. The Minnesota Vikings once again are a walking mash unit. TJ Hawkinson out for the season. DJ Wanham out for the season. The aforementioned Jordan Addison ankle issue may or may not play. How in the world this team isn't for a four win team with all these injuries is beyond me for everything we want to say about Kevin O'Connell during his play calling and this, that, and whatever else. And what is he thinking? And why is he too loyal to his team? Sometimes to certain players, you got to give KOC some credit. You got to give him some that this team is still in a position to make the playoffs. Now on a general sense in a vacuum, am I sick and tired of this Vikings team always constantly circling around mediocrity and just being good enough to just barely make the playoffs or just barely miss the playoffs? Yes. However, copyright Stephen A. Smith. However, in this instance, you got to give the guy some credit. I mean, again, good for TJ Hawkinson for doing the uh, hold in earlier and getting his bag before he ended up getting injured, unfortunately. Uh, TJ Hawkinson. Boy, it's unfortunate. Both the ACL and the MCL. He is gonna. He's not gonna be ready for the start of the season. I don't think. I mean, no do. No disrespect to the guy. He's not Adrian Peterson, and I'm not saying he's not gonna work hard his recovery. We don't even know when his surgery is gonna be yet because you got swelling issues before you can even do it. So with all that being said, it's gonna be difficult. Josh Oliver, you had that great reception at the beginning of the game when absolutely nobody covered you because they were covering DJ JA and DJ and JJ and everybody else. Josh Oliver, you're going to have to step it up. 
Three years, 21 million, Josh Oliver, to be a blocking tight end. You can't just be a blocking tight end anymore. Not anymore. So you next man up. And I want to hear about Johnny Munt being the best third tight end in the NFL. Okay, well, now he's going to be a mediocre second tight end in the NFL. And Josh Oliver is going to have to step it up here. And again, what do we talk about when we talk about rookie quarterbacks or young quarterbacks? Their best friend is what? A solid tight end. As far as Jordan Addison goes, I think it's 50-50 that he plays. I think he's going to play, but I don't think he's going to be at 100% if he does. And if he does, so much the better. But this is going to be where Jaron Hall is going to have to lean on his running game. He's going to have to lean on Justin Jefferson obviously, but it is almost unfathomable to how many injuries this team has had to sustain. On the defensive side, we talked a little bit about DJ Wanham. Brian Flores, I don't know what you're going to need to do. It's going to need to be a lot, though. I'll tell you that right now. And I don't know how you're going to do it because you already were making chicken salad out of chicken bleep because you didn't have all that many pieces. You've made a career year for Josh Metellus, Cam Bynum, secondary the cornerbacks are kind of iffy wishy-washy when you talk about blackman and evans evans got benched last week and you know it ain't good when evans gets benched now the pass rush is what daniel hunter and a whole lot of question marks and against this green bay packers team you're gonna need to put a pass rush on jordan love i'm gonna get more to that later when i get to talking about our defense against jordan love but i don't know what they're gonna do defensively on a defensive line but for right now you know what, Brian Flores, forget this. I'm going to show eight guys on almost every play, and I'm only going to blitz a certain amount. Just start blitzing this guy. Just start blitzing him. But Josh Oliver, come on down. You're the next contestant. Because, again, if Jordan Addison doesn't play and you've got Brandon Powell as your third wide receiver, with KJ obviously being the second, we're going to need a lot from Josh Oliver this week. We're going to need a lot from him for the last two games, as a matter of fact. So walking mash units, you know what? Whatever you want to say about KOC, good, bad, or indifferent, you got to give him some praise to be at seven and eight after losing Kirk Cousins after eight games for the rest of the season, losing Justin Jefferson for seven games, now losing TJ Hawkinson, who really was carrying the offense uh, the last few weeks because, you know, Jordan Addison had quieted off after Kirk Cousins went down. And yeah, JJ did his best last week. I mean, he played his heart out. I mean, the only reason that he made that spectacular catch is because he ran all the way back and dove on that strip sack from Nick Mullins. Boy, this is going to be tough. But the Packers' defense is garbage, so we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity at least. Jaron Hall, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Oh, yes, everybody's been talking about it. Everybody's got their opinion. I've been saying, as I said earlier, since Kirk Cousins went down, I said play Jaron Hall the rest of the season and see what you got. And guess what? We would have been no worse off than where we are had we done that. Now, again, I get it. He got hurt. Okay, you couldn't play him for a couple of games. Well, we're only two weeks away from the bye week, so let's just roll with Josh Dobbs, and then let's roll with Nick Mullins. Why? Well, we're afraid that we don't want to put uh, Jaron Hall in a position to fail. Okay, I'm going to hear from let, – let's hear from Kevin O'Connell, and then we'll hear from Jaron Hall here. Here, This is about a half minute of uh, his decision and why he decided to finally listen to all of us and start Jaron Holmes Hall. Here we go. Jaron Hall will uh, start the football game going back and, and really looking at some of the things he did in his short time out there. Uh, against Atlanta. I was unfortunate when he got dinged up. We have to maintain possession of the football and uh, the turnover margin uh, has been well talked about all season long. It was difficult from a standpoint of knowing uh, that our execution level, especially in the past game with Nick in there, has been really, really good. It's just we've had some really critical weighty down, third down, red zone, third downs type of turnovers uh, that's made it really hard to overcome to win football games. It was really, really difficult to make that decision. Why? 
Why was it so difficult? Yes, you went with Hall because Nick Mullins was injured. Okay. Then he got hurt, and you traded for Dobbs. He came in, pulled out the rabbit out of his hat, even though it looked terrible doing it, and then he looked good for a half against the Saints. <clears throat> Second half against the Saints, he was mediocre. And the game after that against the Bears, uh, excuse me, against the Broncos, and then the Bears were both terrible. It shouldn't have been a difficult decision. You talked early in the season when we were still rolling with Kirk Cousins, and, oh, well, we start off 1-4, and four, and then we get back to 3-4 and four after beating San Francisco. Oh, we just need to cut down the turnovers. And if these guys don't stop turning over the, the football, I'm going to bench them. Why does that not apply to Josh Dobbs and Nick Mullins when you had Jaron Hall sitting there? I'm talking about after he got healthy, after he cleared concussion protocol, of course. Obviously, I'm not suggesting that we put a guy out there who's concussed. But sans that, what did I say? I said Josh Dobbs is a turnover machine. He's got the most upside because he's the most mobile, but he can't throw to hit the side of a barn. Nick Mullins, everybody wanted to say, oh, we just need a quarterback that can drive the car, that can just not turn the ball over. And I said, the guy has 27 interceptions, excuse me, 27 touchdowns and 23 interceptions. This guy's just as prone over as Josh Dobbs is, except he doesn't move around. And how many times did he get strip sacked, by the way? And we're talking, wow, we got to cut down these turnovers. Yet you got a guy in Jaron Hall who is kind of in the middle. He doesn't have the mobility as Josh Dobbs does. No, he doesn't. He doesn't have the entire accuracy that Nick Mullins does. And to a great point that was made by my compatriot, Tyler Fornis, over on Vikings First and Skull, subscribe to their podcast feed, by the way. Yeah, Nick Mullins did make good decisions, but he just didn't have the talent to execute on those decisions. Well, we don't know if Jaron Hall does. Then put him in and find out. He very well may be a colossal and abject failure, but at least then you have tried. You went back to the well with Josh Dobbs and Nick Mullins, and that is the biggest reason we are in the situation we are now, which is fighting for our playoff lives. We should have already had a playoff spot clinch or been in position to clinch this weekend against the Green Bay Packers, but we didn't. Why? Because this head coach was so stubborn to say, no, I'm, I'm not going to put my rookie quarterback in there. Okay. His lines were, we believe Nick Mullins gives us the best chance to win, and we're not ready to just pack it in to see what we got with Hall. He gives us a better chance to win. Funny. Now you don't think that, do you? Because otherwise, you would have been playing Nick Mullins again. I was frankly pleasantly surprised when Jaron Hall was announced to be the starting quarterback. I didn't think KLC was going to do it. I really didn't. I didn't have a chance to do a reaction to the game last week because of the holiday. Nick Mullins, 411 yards passing and four interceptions, and frankly could have had two more. Now, yes, some of the ideas that he was going with, that fourth down play, it's really easy to say Justin Jefferson's wide open. Yeah, if he just gets another five yards under that ball, it's a touchdown. Okay, and it was fourth down, so it was just the same as a punt anyway. All right, I'll let go of that one. But the last one at the end of the game, after getting strip-sacked and having your star wide receiver jump on that ball and then having him make a ridiculous, almost as good as Buffalo last year catch, and you have him wide open in the middle of the field, and you couldn't get the ball to him. It wasn't like it was a 60-yard pass. It was a 30-yard pass. Kevin O'Connell, I don't care how Jaron Hall looks, whether he looks good, bad, mediocre, or absolutely horrific. You play him both of these games unless he's hurt, and you see what you got because you've tried Josh Dobbs and Nick Mullins, and it was an abject failure. Yeah, you won some games on the back of your defense. That's great. That's great. You waited way too long to pull Josh Dobbs for Nick Mullins against the Raiders, and you waited way too long to put Jaron Hall back. He's a guy that has been here the entire time. 
in the offseason. And yes, so was Nick Mullins. Okay, that's all well and good. But after a game and a half of Nick Mullins, we all knew what he was. He was a gunslinger. Everyone would say, oh, he went to the same college as Brett Favre, and he's a Brett Favre light. And uh, No, he doesn't have anywhere near the arm talent Brett Favre does or did. You're going to try and compare him to Brett Favre. I hate Brett Favre. Anybody know me knows I don't like Brett Favre, but don't put Nick Mullins and Brett Favre's name in the same sentence just because they went to the same school and they have the same mentality. Josh, I mean, uh, Nick Mullins, come on. Why you waited this long, KLC? I don't know. Why is it that all the content creators, all the fans on Twitter and X and anywhere else on social media could figure this out, that Jaron Hall actually gives you a better chance to win. And like I said, it's the added bonus of having him actually out there getting some game reps and seeing what you have. And to the commenter's point earlier, yeah, if he wins this last two games and then pulls off the upset against either Detroit, Dallas, or Philadelphia in the wild card round, yeah, he absolutely should be your unquestioned starter next year. Now, if he's just okay and you draft somebody in the first round and you have a competition between the two of them, that's fine too. But it's nice to know what this guy has. And in fact, let's hear from what Jaron Hall had to say after A, being told he was going to be the starter and B, what his preparation was. And also a couple of comments there about what it took him to get back from the concussion protocol. Here you go. Yeah, it took about two weeks. You know, I wasn't wasn't uh, out for those those uh, two games following Atlanta. I wasn't there traveling with the team or, or at the game. So it's about two weeks and I started feeling myself again. You just got to realize how fast guys play. You got to be you got to be smart about the times you use your legs and and you got to get down. You know, there's no superhero ball you need to play. Um, you know, the game is one over four quarters, not one play. And you just got to remember that, um, you know, if you do what you need to do, delivering the ball, you don't have to be in those situations for the most part. I love that second to last sentence. You don't have to try to play hero ball. The game is not one-on-one play. It's one over four quarters. Another reason that I wanted Jaron Hall to play a lot sooner than he did, and I said this in the offseason during training camp, the guy exudes leadership. The guy exudes knowledge for a young quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, he's a couple years older than most rookies are. We understand that. But just listen to this guy. He's loquacious, he's articulate, and that's the guy I want in the huddle. And he's finally going to have an opportunity to play with Justin Jefferson. Justin and Jaron finally get their play dates, and I'm here for it. And I think that they are going to absolutely run Roshad. Now, what are the Vikings going to need to do on the offensive side of the ball? One, KOC, run the football. I know you like to be a pass-happy guy. You finally got the quarterback out there that I want and that I want to see take over for this team for their you know, foreseeable future. And, yes, you finally got Justin Jefferson back out there, but run the ball. The Packers are the third-worst run defense in the entire NFL. Their defensive coordinator is under so much fire from the fans, from the media, even more so than Ed Donichel was with us last year. He is so bad. He's so terrible. Everything that is wrong with the Packers defense, it is all his fault. It's all his fault, right? Okay. All I'm going to say is this. There's no reason, even with Jaron Hall making his first start at home and only the second start of his career and only having played in, what, three or four drives total in the NFL, not named preseason, you should have 30 points on this team. This Packers defense, overall scoring defense, mediocre, I think 17th in the league, somewhere in there. They're like 13th or 14th against the pass, but – 13 or 14th worse, so they're slightly below average against the pass. And, oh, by the way, they're absolutely, absolutely terrible against the run. So just like that Denver game where Alexander Madison ran roughshod, Ty Chandler had a good game, you need to lean on the run game, period, point blank. Get Jaron Hall in rhythm. 
by getting the running game going, some short play action passes, and then hit a couple of bombs to J.J. That's all you need to do offensively to win this game. Defensively, different subject. We'll get to that shortly. But for right now, anybody, right now, you have got to establish this run game. You need to get Chai Chandler lathered up and get him back. I don't know what KLC was thinking. We were not so far out of this game that we had to abandon the run. That's one where I will criticize Kevin O'Connell for. Absolutely will criticize him for that. Give him credit for holding this team together with all these injuries, but in-game adjustments, play calling, don't understand it. And again, some of it was lack of execution. Yes, if Nick Mullins had executed some of these plays that were ultimately interceptions, we wouldn't be having this conversation. We'd be saying, hey, run the ball more because you're not going to be able to get away with that very often. You weren't able to get away from that away with it against the Detroit Lions. So run the ball and then get your offensive playmakers involved. Get Justin Jefferson in some quick, short throws, something easy. Get him in rhythm. Lean on the uh, the run game. Here's an idea. Learn how to run a screen pass. Why is it the Vikings are like the worst screen pass team in the NFL? And don't talk to me about it's all the offensive line. No, everything about their screen game is terrible. And it was last year, too. We talked about stop running tight end screens. We can barely do running back screens very well. Now we can't even do running back screens very well. But long or the short, Jaron Hall, don't try to do too much. Just stay within yourself. Yes, if it's the fourth quarter and the game's on the line, you got to play hero ball. That's one thing. But you don't need to play hero ball in the first quarter or the second quarter on your second drive. Yeah, I know. You ran and you saw that end zone, and all of a sudden the guys came up on you real quick, and um, you got concussed. And unfortunately, you know, kind of is what it is. But I'm just going to say right now, Kevin O'Connell, you've had your ups and downs. It's been a roller coaster all season long. This is your time to finally say, all right. I finally learned my lessons. I finally figured it out. And I'm going to take this Hall guy. And I've been babying him and sheltering him because I didn't want to put him in a bad position to not be successful. Well, now's your opportunity to say, okay, I'm going to come correct on this. Hall pass. Pass up and down the field against these Green Bay Packers. Their defense is terrible. Their defense is absolutely atrocious. It is absolutely atrocious, particularly against the run. Get that run game set up and go from there you can beat these guys offensively. Again, I will be disappointed if there's anything other than anything less than 30 points on the board today. I'll tell you that right now. Jordan Love looks competent and at times looks slightly better than competent. I'm not listening to he's already on track to be Aaron Rodgers because he's at the same spot and he's won more games than Aaron Rodgers did. Well, he's already won six, which is what Aaron Rodgers won his first year. And he's got the same kind of stats and yardage this and passing stats that I don't care. All I'm going to say is, yes, Jordan Love looks competent. I will give you that. But he doesn't have Christian Watson right now. The Packers have been ravaged by hamstring injuries. Aaron Jones probably not going to play either. Without Aaron Jones, Jordan Love has had to shoulder a lot of the load offensively for the Packers. And good for him. Let's stop with this. Hey, they might have another Hall of Fame quarterback on their hands. Here's what I'm going to say. Talked about no DJ Wanham. Talked about Harrison Phillips being kind of just eh, okay. Sheldon Day on the injury report. A lot of guys on the injury report. And go go figure. It's a 17-game season, and it's game number 16. A lot of teams got a lot of injuries. Blitz the heck out of Jordan Love. And if he burns you a couple times, he burns you a couple times. He doesn't have all of his complimentary wide receivers. Yeah. Again, don't have Aaron Jones. Just blitz the heck out of this guy. 
Keep him contained. Do what teams did to Josh Dobbs after a couple of weeks, which is blitz him and surround him and don't let him run out of the pocket. Jordan Love doesn't have enough to beat us if we just blitz him and get him out of his comfort zone and stop the run. That's all we have to do defensively when it's all said and done. Oh, you said stop the run and blitz the quarterback, Justin. Uh, well, that's obvious. Well, yeah, but A.J. Dillon just kind of is who he is. He's a bowling ball, and he's tough to bring down. Yeah, if A.J. Dillon gets rolling, yeah, then we got problems. We'll have lots of problems, actually, if A.J. Dillon gets rolling. So all you got to do is shut down their run game, and then on obvious passing downs, don't do this. I'm going to show eight guys at the line of scrimmage every play, and sometimes I'm going to bring the blitz, and sometimes I'm going to drop into coverage. No, blitz this guy. Blitz this guy. Get him out of his spot. Knock him down. I'm not saying being dirty. We're not the Saints here. And we're not that dude that took out TJ Hawkinson. And side note, no, the hit on TJ Hawkinson that ultimately ended his season was not a dirty hit. You can talk to me about some of the other hits that that guy had during the game, number 31 for the Lions, but the one that took out TJ Hawkinson was a clean hit from the standpoint of what's within the rules. As a defender, you can't go high and hit the guy in the head. If you hit him in his torso or his waist, he's going to bounce right off of you and you're going to miss tackles. So defensive backs have no choice until they change that rule and say, well, you can't hit him high and now you can't hit him low. There was nothing dirty about that hit. It's unfortunate that his foot got caught in the, in the turf at that exact moment, and it is unfortunate that it was done by the guy who had a couple of sh- uh, shady shots early in the game. But as far as that hit specifically, no, it was not dirty. Okay, back to Jordan Love. Okay, so he's had the opportunity to be on question starter, and he's played pretty near the whole season for the Packers. And he's looked solid. He doesn't look great. And I don't know what Jeremy Holmes all is going to be. But what I do know for right now, for the Vikings to win this game, all they need to do defensively is just blitz the heck out of this guy, get him confused, and let that U.S. Bank Stadium go noise. I know there'll be Packer fans in the house. We all know how that goes. That's fine. Just get this guy off of his spot. Slow down A.J. Dillon. Don't let him. If you hit him in the hole at three yards, don't let him fall forward for another three to get a six-yard gain on first down. Make it second and seven. Make it second and nine. You know, get a couple of false starts on these guys. Blitz him early and often get a sack on first down. Maybe here's an idea. But yeah, just keep Jordan Love behind the sticks. He's going to convert some. He's absolutely going to convert some. I mean, Jake Browning did, for crying out loud. So I'm not saying that Jordan Love is garbage. He's not garbage. I'll give him that. I called him a fraud, and so far he's done a pretty pretty doggone good job. Their defense has let them down in some tight spots. Yes, there have been some times where he didn't come up clutch, but there's been some times where he has too. So just blitz this guy. Don't monkey around with it. They don't have all of their offensive weapons, particularly Christian Watson, like I said a moment ago, and our defensive backs, you know, Byron Murphy's just been okay, but he might not play again. He didn't play last week, and boy, did we sure did, sure did miss him, didn't we? Jordan Love by himself can't be. Jordan Love with his full compliment, and yeah, we'll see where this Packers team is offensively in a year or two with all this young talent that they have if they start to gel. But for right now, anyway, just shut down A.J. Dillon. Let's talk about the playoffs. The Minnesota Vikings need to win both of their games, and they need to have a loss on their schedule, excuse me, they need to have a loss by either the Rams or by the Seattle Sea Chickens. Let's just break this down real, real quick. It's real simple. Vikings need to win their two games, and they need to hope that San Francisco has something to play for next week and that they beat the Rams because that's the only way that I see this going down. If you look at Seattle's schedule, they finish with the lowly Arizona Cardinals, and this week they have the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers might have some form. They might, but... Those are games that the Seattle Sea Chickens should win on paper. 
So I don't think Seattle's losing the game. So now you got to hope that the Rams lose one. And like I said, the Rams this week, they got the Giants. Yeah, they ain't losing that. I'd be utterly surprised if they did. Yeah, 49ers, if they're still playing for that one seed, they're going to come all on. And it's in San Francisco. So, yeah, the Rams are going to be going to New York and then back to San Francisco. They're going to do the whole East Coast, West Coast thing. So hopefully the Rams can get one more loss there. And so then all you need to do is take care of your own business. And like I said, I'm not interested in saying, well, we beat the Packers and then this team lost. And, well, the 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 Detroit Lions, they got nothing to play for, so they're aggressive. No, go out and beat somebody. If you want to be a playoff team, you want to get into the playoffs, then you win. You don't hope for help. You win. Now, are there other conceivable contingencies like ties, this, that, and whatever else? Yes. But here's the thing. The Giants and the Rams will play at noon on Sunday. And I forget. It doesn't really matter because the Vikings are the last game of the weekend. So if, hypothetically, both the Seahawks and the Rams win their game, then the Vikings-Packers game becomes a playoff game because the loser will be eliminated at that point. In fact, if both of those teams win and the Vikings and Packers tie, both teams will be eliminated. But we're going to beat the Packers. So, yes, you're pulling somehow some way for the New York football Giants to win and the Pittsburgh Steelers to win. Again, I don't think either one of those things are happening, but that's what we need. You know, we have this all right in front of us. We just needed to take care of our own business. It's one thing to lose to Detroit at home. If you hadn't turned the ball over four times, you probably would have beat them. You know, you had a 14-point lead going in the fourth quarter against the Bengals. Well, this is the bet they made, like I said. So now they got a lie in it. But that's what we're looking at for the playoffs. You need to win two. You need to hope another team loses one. And that barely gets you in. And it probably gets you a date with either the 49ers, the Cowboys, or the Eagles. But you could conceivably still get to that sixth spot and get to play Detroit again. But for right now, anyway, that's what we're looking at, ladies and gentlemen. But for now, it's Packers week. Let's get it pumped up around here, as they say. Doesn't matter. Good, bad, or indifferent. Vikings and Packers, our biggest rival. We got to show out. We got to say, you know what? <clears throat> you had a cute little year where you were up and down. And when we beat the Packers to go to, when we went to four and four, and I think they were either three and five or two and six at that point, I thought their season was done. I thought their season was done. So bully for them for finding a way to win a couple of close games and making themselves think that they got a shot. Let's put them out of their misery. Let's put them out of their misery in our building on New Year's Eve. You know, there's a part of me that would love to go to that game, but there's a part of me that also says, man, I'm staying away from that from that madhouse. Sunday night football, New Year's Eve, with a bunch of Packers and Vikings fans who've probably been drinking all day, getting ready for Sunday night. <laughs> it is going to be a madhouse. Let's send the Packer fans home upset. Happy New Year. Ring in the New Year. Your playoffs are done. So with all that being said, it's real simple. If you want to win this game, keep your playoff hopes alive. And oh, by the way, eliminate your hated rivals from the playoffs. You cannot turn the ball over. It is football 101. 72% of all statistics are made up. But one that is not is the fact that most of the time, if you win the turnover battle, you win the football game. This team has been plagued with turnovers all season, whether it's Kirk Cousins, whether it's Josh Dobbs, whether it's Nick Mullins. This team cannot afford to turn the ball over, and they will need to force the Packers into turnovers as well. Hopefully, Jaron Hall will be able to provide the ultimate balance. No, he's not going to be Kirk Cousins. And hopefully, he won't be Nick Mullins and Josh Dobbs from the turnover standpoint. Kevin O'Connell, you are going to need to lean into that run game. 
Get Ty Chandler involved early and often. Use the play action. Get Josh Oliver involved. And oh, by the way, some guy named Justin Jefferson, who has torched the Packers at U.S. Bank Stadium time after time. No Jair Alexander. In fact, I think he pretty much ran from this game anyway. But regardless of whether Jair Alexander is out there or not, this Vikings offense should absolutely run roughshod over the Green Bay Packers. They are third worst in the NFL against the run. They are mediocre at best against the pass. There's no reason you should not have 30 points, even with Jaron Hall learning on the fly in his first start at U.S. Bank Stadium in a regular season game. Defensively, just blitz the heck out of Jordan Love. There is no love loss or love lost, so to speak. Jordan Love, yeah, he's been okay. He's better than I thought he would be. I thought he would be, at best, a serviceable backup. And at times, he has played like a first-year quarterback. And there's other times where he's played incredibly well. He will not have Christian Watson. So from that perspective, just blitz the heck out of this guy. I know, your secondary hasn't been up to snuff the last few weeks. We understand that. But this guy is not Aaron Rodgers. He's certainly not Brett Favre. And at the end of it, he is a middling quarterback. And you know what? That's okay. He's not going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. And he very well may grow into be a top 10 quarterback someday. But not today. Not today. Defensively, I know you don't have DJ Wanham. Who the heck knows if we'll ever see Marcus Davenport again. You still got Daniil Hunter. You still got Ivan Pace. You got Jordan Hicks. Anthony Barr was elevated to the 53-man roster. He'll get into the game as well. Not saying we hope for injuries, but we know what Anthony Barr is remembered around here for. 2017, Aaron Rodgers, collarbone. But I digress. A.J. Dillon is the only player on the Packers that you ultimately need to worry about. You shut him down, and you force Jordan Love to become one-dimensional, and then you just blitz the heck out of the guy. Make them contain blitz. Look at the tape of what teams did to Josh Dobbs after about the second week of Josh Dobbs playing, where they blitzed him and they surrounded him and gave him nowhere to run. That's all you need to do to stop Jordan Love. Yeah, he'll hit some plays here or there, and they'll put up some points. But there's no reason at all that the Vikings should not not only win this game, but they should win comfortably like they did in Lambeau Field, where they were up three touchdowns and ultimately won 24-10. to And that was with losing Kirk Cousins in the middle of the fourth quarter. This season has been a roller coaster, up and down, left and right, twist and turns with all of the injuries that they have sustained. And regardless of what you feel about Kevin O'Connell, as I said earlier, you got to give him some credit for at least still being in the hunt. I know I'm one that says I'm sick and tired of the Vikings always just being in the hunt. But with the circumstances surrounding this team this season, you can't really ask for much more. All we need at this point, regardless of whether you're on team, lose the last two games for a draft pick or win the last two games and hope you can get into the playoffs, regardless of what the results may be, we all as Vikings fans can agree on two things. We want to see the Vikings win the Super Bowl before we die, and we want to see them beat the Green Bay Packers. Yes, ostensibly in a different world, if these last two games were against Detroit and somebody other than Green Bay, could I listen to the talk of maybe better long-term to just tank it in this season for these last two games? Maybe. But it doesn't matter. We're playing our hated rivals, the Green Bay Packers, on New Year's Eve, Sunday night football. There is no Monday night football this week. We are the closing act of week 17 of this season. And we're going to destroy the Packers. We're not just going to beat them. We are going to destroy the Packers. Final score prediction, 38 to 17. That's right. A three touchdown victory for your Minnesota Vikings.
programming note, as always, this afternoon, 4 o'clock Central Time, on the Vikings First and Skull YouTube page, we have two old bloggers where Darren and Dave will continue to break this one down and get you ready for tomorrow night's game on New Year's Eve to ring in 2024 with a victory over our hated rivals. One more time, if you haven't already done so, hit the subscribe button on the Vikings First and Skull YouTube page, as well as my page, Purple and Gold for Days. Help us build this community and join us for great live programming all throughout the week. Thank you kindly, as always, for joining me. And as always, Skull to the next episode. And as Prince said, if the elevator tries to bring you down, go crazy and punch a higher floor. You're listening to Purple and Gold for Days, a Vikings First and Skull production. This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Thanks for listening.